Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right, so today I want to cover the uh, concept of price gouging. Now, this came to me from a listener, so if you uh, want to make a request uh, for an, a topic, for me to cover a topic, you can leave a message for me on the Anchor app, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Trad Dads or on the Facebook page. Uh, any of those should work. Um, <clears throat> so this is an interesting topic because of the uh, CCP virus, the, the the coronavirus from China. And, you know, of course, anytime we have a natural disaster, we see all kinds of, um, you know, issues with basic necessity type resources because people don't prepare. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people. I didn't have enough prepared. I certainly had plenty of food and water, but, um, I didn't have like these masks. I didn't have any masks. Um, I probably didn't have enough food. I didn't have any of that stuff that, you know, just lasts forever. Like you just, you put it in your attic and you leave it alone for 20 years or whatever. Um, so I was certainly underprepared. Um, but we didn't go out and, uh, you know, buy a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, you know, this is a different, different scenario slightly than, than a hurricane or a tornado or something like that, where, you know, the, the supply chain is just completely cut off. You know, here in this case, the supply chain isn't cut off. It's just, um, you're just not allowed to, to go out very much. And so, um, you know, it's a unique scenario in some, in some senses, but, um, there certainly has been, a massive run for, uh, you know, the basic necessities in general. And so I had a listener, um, suggest that I, that I cover this topic because there's a lot of economics wrapped up in the whole thing. Um, you know, and, and I've had several conversations with other friends that are sort of economic savvy, uh, on this type of thing and, and trying to weave in some of the, the complexity. So the first thing I want to do, I'm going to start off and I'm just going to kind of give an overview of the sort of standard theory. And then, um, I want to talk about the complexity and the moral issues and, and, uh, and then I want to talk about sort of alternative and alternative theory and maybe some, some different things that, um, businesses might do and some different things that, you know, uh, that I think are, are relevant on the policy front too. <clears throat> so the standard theory basically treats, um, these types of, uh, scenarios, um, like, uh, price ceilings. So in standard theory, a price ceiling, and I mean, you can, you know, you can Google this and find, you know, a five minute video on what a price ceiling is. If you're not, um, if you're not sure what that is, but essentially what it is, is just when you, if you think of like a standard supply and demand graph and you, you, you force the price to be below the equilibrium point. And so then you think about what the, um, you think about what the, the, the sort of um, consequences of that would be, right? Well, you would have a way too much quantity demanded and not near enough quantity supplied, right? So you'd end up with a shortage. And so, um, you know, in, in general, uh, this supposedly is a, um, you know, th this is supposedly a bad idea from a purely economic standpoint, right? Um, and and, and the reason for that is because you get the shortage, right? The shortage itself is the, the negative consequence. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of these things where, the, you know, is this scenario relevant to that? And I'll talk about that later. But 
the question is, is, is a, a, a pandemic or, or a tornado or a hurricane or whatever, is that the same thing as this, um, you know, as just like a standard, um, ceiling on the price and maybe not, but the, the point is that this is a bad idea to, to the, the standard theory says that it's a bad idea to put this ceiling in place because that's when you get shortages. If you just let the price rise when the supply curve shifted or when the demand curve shifted, right? So if we're talking about like a hurricane or a tornado or something, you know, we're talking about the supply curve shifting to the left or shifting up, right? And so then what you get is a much lower quantity and a much higher price. In this case, um, you know, actually, I think it's a little different because you're looking at um, possibly a move of the supply curve, but you're definitely seeing a move of the demand curve uh, the other direction. And um, that's also causing, you know, again, a shortage and uh, or a potential shortage and, and a higher price. So then the so that's the standard thing. Right. And the, and the standard thing says let the price rise because that's how you get more resources brought in. Right. So. If there's a hurricane on, you know, I don't know, the Texas coast, right? And the price of a bunch of different things goes up. Well, then everybody in the surrounding area that's not affected by the hurricane then has a profit motive, a profit incentive to send resources into that area, right? Because they can take advantage of the higher price. Well, the higher price justifies me shipping stuff, you know, all the way from Oklahoma City all the way down to the coast of Texas. Whereas, you know, the week before, when there wasn't a hurricane, it didn't make sense to ship my stuff all the way down there because it was too expensive to ship it, right? So the standard theory is is sort of basing everything on these um, you know ideas of of like the cost of production or the cost of transportation of getting materials to this place, and all of that I think is is I mean it's fine as far as it goes. Um, so you know the, the second part of this is how far does it go? You know is is simply saying that, well, we have to let prices rise so that other people will be incentivized to bring things in, right? Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to stave off the, the shortage, right? But that's not the only way to do that. That's not the only way to stave off a shortage. So, <clears throat> so the, the complexity of this, I think, so that, you know, so we can't just listen to economists, right? And, and as an economist, I can't just sit here and think only about sort of standard 101 theory. Um, and I'm going to have a couple resources on this. I, I'm going to put a couple of links in the, in the description uh, of, the, of the, the podcast because I think there's, um, th- there was a really good post by a guy that I follow uh, on Twitter um, who, who kind of tackled this issue and, and, you know, some of the stuff as a little left wing, I mean, I think James quack, he cites James quack and I'm not a fan of James quack exactly, but, um, you know, but, but there is some good stuff in this post. So, you know, what he points out is that, you know, everybody else on the planet thinks that price gouging laws are perfectly reasonable, right? That it's reasonable to limit the, um, you know, to, to put a limit, an upper limit on the price of things in during a disaster. Right. And, and there's, then there's a group of people that are trained in sort of standard economics and, and they'll say, Oh, you can't do this because it causes shortages. And because, you know, without the, um, without that higher price, we don't get more resources brought in, <clears throat> you know, through the price system, through the, through the free market. Right. So, um, you know, so then the question is, okay, well, so is, 
everybody who's not, uh, you know, trained in standard theory, uh, you know, is everybody, are, are all those people wrong? Well, no, we're all thinking about a moral dimension here, right? We're all thinking about the fact that, well, people just need to help, right? You, you, you just need to help your fellow Texans or, uh, your fellow Americans, right? You just need to help them out and send them stuff, even if they're not going to, you know, completely cover the cost of transportation, right? It, it, it's, um, it's a moral duty to help each other. And you also don't want the poorest people on that Texas coast during that hurricane or, you know, during the CCP virus, you know, lockdown thing that we have now. Um, you don't want the poorest people to starve or to be without, uh, you know, water or shelter or whatever um, because the price is so high. You know, it's, and, and and it's one of these things that, that I think this is this is kind of like a it's kind of a moral deficiency of standard economic theory all the time in, in, in a lot of, in a lot of applications with this kind of stuff is, is it always assumes equilibrium. And, and the, the funny thing about that is it's like, or excuse me, it, it always, it always assumes the long run. That's what it assumes. It always assumes the long run. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, the long run matters, but the short run matters too. Right. I mean, the short run, you know, the, we, we could be talking about decades, right. Um, of actual lived time, uh, before we reach a sort of long run equilibrium kind of thing. And so it's the, the short run matters because things actually happen in the short run. Right. So, um, yeah, if we put these anti-price gouging laws in place, yeah, we're going to have, we're going to have a shortage no matter what. Right. It's not like, um, it's not like if you let the price rise, there's all of a sudden not a shortage, there's going to be a shortage either way. So, I think all of that goes into the sort of moral dimension of this is that we, we can't just look at the theory on price gouging um, or, or, or on price ceilings for one, because those incentives aren't, um, aren't the only thing that matter, right? Moral obligations matter too. Um, and also because um, the, the, it sort of ignores the, the, the short run, right? I mean, there's going to be a shortage regardless in the short run, um, no matter what your policy is. So you might as well, you might as well keep the poorest people alive, right? And again, this is very consistent with Catholic social teaching, right? Sort of preferential option for the poor, um, and stuff like this, right? This stuff is involved and, and, and certainly matters, um, in a discussion about these kinds of things. So then I, I want to present, um, so this, this blog post by Garth, uh, Hutel, um, he linked to a study that was really interesting to, and I didn't read the whole thing. I just read the abstract and, and that's what you'll be able to see too, unless you have uh, access to these, uh, expensive journal thingies. But, um, it was kind of interesting, uh, like an alternative theory of this whole price gouging thing. So, you know, what, what the standard theory assumes is that a price ceiling right? Just a, a standard, you know, put in place price uh, limit is the same thing as a, um, a price gouging law during a, you know, pandemic or a hurricane or whatever. And what they suggest is that it's actually not, is that when you have a dynamic process going on, so again, not, not just looking at this as like very bare bones, standard 101 theory, when you have a dynamic process going on and people know that you're going to implement price gouging, then 
what you can do is, or what, what people do is they'll, they'll, they'll foresee that, that there are going to be shortages that last a long time. And so what they do is they rationally prepare for that by increasing their purchases and, and they call it consumption in here. So don't, don't let the, the economics jargon, you know, set off alarm bells in your, in your moral theory side of things. But, you know, what, what people end up doing is they, they, they front load their consumption and, and they save stuff back, right? So if they know there's going to be a big shortage of, you know, beans and flour and stuff like that, or, you know, whatever, maybe they need some of these MRE type food. Well, they will rationally buy that stuff up front and prepare. And so, you know, even, even with the price gouging in place, with those laws in place, the shortages may not be as bad as you think because people, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dynamic situation. People are able to prepare. They see it coming. They see that policy coming. So I think that's an interesting um, perspective. And the last component here is, uh, I think is, is a rationing perspective, right? And so the, the standard economic theory proponents will say, well, you know, we can't, we can't let the government ration things because that's, you know, socialism or whatever. Um, but to me, you know, we're always rationing. We're just, are we using prices to ration or are we rationing with some other means, right? Um, is there some kind of uh, sort of hu- human judgment going directly into the rationing rather than sort of human judgment going uh, indirectly into it? And what I think is so interesting is that, you know, in a disaster, it's perfectly fine for someone in a, in a position of authority. And again, legitimate authority, right? The state is legitimate authority. You read your Bibles, right? Um, to put in place something like a, a, uh, a, a, you know, some kind of rationing, right? Um, so that's perfectly fine. But even if you're not saying that that's okay from a government perspective, I mean, private businesses do this all the time. They put limits on how much you can buy. And especially during this, you know, type of, uh, you know, serious issue when they, when they have shortages in their supply chain, I mean, just for PR reasons, they won't raise their prices, uh, sometimes, sometimes. And what they, and what they do is they just limit how much people can buy so that they make sure they have enough on the shelf and they don't have to raise the price. Um, and this strikes me as a perfectly reasonable, uh, community centered, um, moral thing for businesses to do. And so, you know, businesses should be encouraged to do their own rationing, even if the government isn't going to put in place some kind of anti-price gouging thing. You know, they should just leave their prices low and ration. That's perfectly legitimate. There's nothing wrong with that. And really, I don't think there's much that the free market types can really say against that because it's just a voluntary thing that the business is doing. Um, now, obviously, you can get into problems, you know, uh, for those of those of us with, you know, sort of larger than average families, uh, you know, buying enough gets to gets to become a challenge. Right. And in a specific instance where, um, you know, you don't want to go out too much, you don't want to go to the store too much, uh, you know, it presents a challenge. Um, I only have three kids, but I mean, you know, we, we have a bigger than average family, certainly. Um, seems like most people in the country have uh, two dogs or a dog and a cat or something. And that's their, that's their children supposedly. So anyway, I think um, there is a lot more complexity to this than what the standard theory says. There's good reasons to think that the standard theory is missing a lot of, of important information and the constant refrain of, 
you know, socialism when it comes to this price gouging stuff is, um, is just silly. So that's all I have. And I'm going to, like I said, put a couple of links in the, uh, in the show notes and, um, hopefully you are staying safe at home. Thanks for listening to the trad dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.